Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we've been discussing CIC issue number 122, the gospel as the true armor of God. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. Now, Bob, would you just give us a little recap of where we've been last week, and then we will pick up with our conversation there. Okay, we had discussed a section in Acts, Acts 7, where Stephen was stoned after telling the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leadership, that they were put under the host of heaven because of apostasy, and then preached Christ to them, and they stoned him. We talked about Saul of Tarsus and his conversion and some of the implications of going from being under this host of heaven to being under God himself and Christ ruling at the right hand of God. But Jessica, you mentioned you thought there was a verse in the Old Testament that actually would collaborate what Stephen was saying about them uh, even though they thought they were being pious, they were under the host of heaven, which are the hostile powers. That's right. You were mentioning that they were they had their temple sacrifices and their Sabbaths and their festivals and their holy days and all these things that they did. And it made me think of Isaiah 1. So I'm going to read a few verses from that. And then we you would also thought of a, a parallel passage in Ephesians that applies then to us. Okay. So here's the verses out of Isaiah chapter one this is God speaking to Judah. And I'm going to start at verse 13. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. New moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me, and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. So they were doing their Sabbaths, and they were celebrating their festivals that God had ordained, but they were doing it not out of faith. They were continuing in their evil and continuing in their sin, but going through the motions of doing these outwardly pious things. Right. And eventually God even worse and um isaiah preached they didn't really listen to him and god sent prophets many prophets and they didn't listen to them and ultimately he sent his son if you want to read the first chapter of hebrews you get a pretty good idea okay that's right and so stephen said well god put you under the host of heaven so that goes back to deuteronomy 32 8 and 9 which we've been talking about Mm -hmm. But Jessica thought of that passage. Then after we were done recording, I thought of something in the New Testament because I was talking about how the same thing could happen today because we have churches, at least here in America, everywhere. 
Right. And we see the same thing. A couple of weeks ago, my Facebook feed was full of pictures of people who had the cross and the ash. It was Ash Wednesday. So they had gone and done their religious duty and got their ash on their forehead and they send their kids to religion classes and and they show up on Easter and Christmas and they go through all the religious motions, but their hearts are far from God. If you preach the gospel to the same people, they're offended. Exactly. Just like they were when Stephen preached to the people in his day in Acts 7. And by the way, the Bible doesn't tell us that there's any such thing as an Ash Wednesday. Right. And so if you want to do an argument from lesser to greater or greater to lesser, if it was an abomination that the Jews were keeping festivals that God had ordained, but their hearts are far from him, how much more abominable is it to keep a festival God never did ordain and think that makes you right with God? Oh, wow. That is, that is great. Cause yeah, that's, ex- these no, very things Wednesday. mentioned in Isaiah were the things that God told them to do, Yeah, but they were doing them in unbelief. And so you can't do something God never told you to do and call that faith. Right. Those ashes are going to do you no good. The religion that calls itself Christian that commanded that doesn't speak for God. And they are not one of Christ's apostles. This is not found anywhere under the new covenant, which is laid out in, in our New Testament. And so it's not binding on anybody and it's not pleasing to God. No, they are under the host of heaven and that's ultimately who they're worshiping. Right, because they don't know any better, just like we saw in Acts 7. Now they need to repent. But the real issue is when somebody preaches the truth to you, how do you respond to it? Right. And so in the case of Stephen, they stoned him. Saul of Tarsus was agreeing with that, but then God converted him. And he went out preaching the same thing that Stephen had been preaching. And he was stoned and thrown out of town a few times himself. So many times, in fact. So that's just how it goes. So now we have Christendom out there. Yeah. And one version of it has this Ash Wizzy, which is, it's nonsense. Why do you do right. that? Well, my grandparents did it. My great-grandparents did it. It doesn't matter. God never ordained it ever. Okay? And if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ, who died for sins, if you don't believe that his blood was shed once for all, but that it has to get done over and over again, in these religious services by a false priesthood. See, the New Testament only has Jesus Christ, the high priest, and the priesthood of every believer. Yeah. Okay, so there's no priest that's valid doing something that God never ordained that he's going to ordain or be pleased with. And so the passage in Isaiah that Jessica cited would definitely apply to something under the New Testament era that God never did ordain. Why would you think God's pleased with that? No. What does it do? And and here's the here's the kicker. We all know that's a Catholic thing, and most of us would agree that the Roman Catholic Church is outside of Christianity. The church that was doing this in my neighborhood is Presbyterian. Really? 
So there was a Presbyterian church up the street from my house, having everybody come. And of course they were doing it COVID safe. So you had to go through their little drive-through lane to get your Ash Wednesday crossed on your forehead at the Presbyterian church. So is that in uh, Westminster standards, Ash Wednesday? Nope, it sure isn't. So they don't even believe their own history or doctrine or whatever. So we have, and it, it is across the board, because you have evangelical churches doing yoga, meditation. We'll talk about that in one of our later episodes, because it's in this article we're covering. And the same problem is everywhere. The fact is that everyone who is not serving Christ by faith, trusting him and him alone, is under the host of heaven. Right. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God under Christ. Okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in that sense, after we finished recording and Jessica was mentioning Isaiah 1, I thought of Ephesians 5 because this article that we're covering, CIC issue 122, uh, September 2012, is about the gospel as the true armor of God. And it comes from Ephesians 6. But in Ephesians 5, there's a passage that's pertinent to what we were talking about. Are you safe if you're a nice person, you go to a nice church, and you do nice things and get your yoga mats out or whatever it is you're doing? Or now I guess the evangelicals have their own Ash Wednesday. But let me read this. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14. Ephesians 5, okay. 11 through 14. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Verse 13, Ephesians 5. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Verse 14. For this reason it says, awake sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wow. So these deeds of darkness that Paul was talking about in Ephesus were done in Temple of Artemis, various uh, sacred rites, secret religions, people trying to get rid of their bad fate. And then, as we said, Stephen said, if you're not serving God on his terms, you're under the host of heaven. And so there's really only two things, the light and the darkness. And you can be religious and be living in darkness. Last week, we talked about people who think the universe is going to take care of them. And the universe is this big goddess. Or some people just think the earth. The mother earth is a goddess. Right. But earth has fallen and earth is not a goddess. But notice this is a wake sleeper and a rise from the the dead and Christ will shine on you. So the only light is going to come from Jesus Christ, the the Son of God, the Creator, who God raised from the dead, and who bodily ascended to heaven, and who reigns at the right hand of God. Stephen talked about that. Paul preached about it. We preach about it. Every gospel preacher should preach about Christ, who he is, what he did, why we need him, and what he expects of us. And here, conversion says, Awake and arise from the dead. That's right. And Isaiah, the very next verse, points us to the gospel. So I stopped at verse 17. Okay. I'm going to read 18 through 20. 
Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, you shall be as white as snow. Amen. And only God can do that. Yes. Yeah, so a friend of mine uh, emailed me yesterday. He's a friend from afar, but a, a friend nevertheless through the gospel that we've been in contact for actually decades now. And he asked about uh, how, how is it that in the Old Testament it says circumcise your heart, but how can anybody do that? That's a good question. Well, the answer is, well, you really can't. It's the call to do so shows you your need. Yeah. So in Deuteronomy, Moses said, circumcise your hearts. But then later in Deuteronomy, it says, God says, I will circumcise your hearts. Yeah. So you can't make your sins white as snow. No. And you can't circumcise your heart. And you can't actually raise yourself from the dead. Right. But you can hear the message preached and awake. Yeah. To come alive. God does it by grace, but he uses means. And so part of this telling people to circumcise their heart is to show them how, what, how hopeless it is without God doing a supernatural work. Right. And making yourself white as snow, even though your sins are scarlet, can only be done by God, and how can he do it, and how does he do it? He does it through Christ. That's right. The blood of Jesus washes you clean and cleanses your conscience. And the effect of that is our obedience. Our obedience is never the cause of it. Right. But we need to preach clearly what it says. I remember one time, oh, again, decades ago, but I was preaching on Ephesians 5.14 for whatever reason. It was one of my points. And this is, remember when we were on 24th and Nick, Nicola, Jessica? Yeah. So somebody had brought their nephew or grandson or someone was sitting in the pew there sleeping. And uh, I didn't bother me. I, somebody falls asleep while I'm preaching. But I happened to be on his verse, and I said kind of loud into the mic, awake sleeper in this kingdom. <laughs> he thought I had caught him and had pointed him out. I was just reading out the Bible first. Oh, dear. So he was uh, startled. He thought I'd picked up, was picking on him. But yeah, actually, yeah. it's for all of us, not just for the grandkid that he was like a teenager or something, fell asleep. It was for anybody to listen. Religious works, people like that because it's something they can control. Yeah. You can put the ashes on your forehead, but that won't make you clean. Right. You can go through anything. You can say, well, this is all I know. I grew up with it. I do what the religious authorities tell me to do, whether it's a pastor or a so-called priest or uh, and, uh, in other religious leaders in various religions, the gurus and imams and whatever. But what does God require? And the Bible talks about the sacrifice being a contrite heart. Right. Seeing that 
not only are we sinners, but we can't create light. God is the one who said, let there be light. God is the one who brings light into the darkness. And mm -hmm. what it says in Ephesians 5.14, Christ will shine on you. So what we need is for God to shine on us. And for those who trust Christ, he has. Right. So, so we don't want to participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. So in Ephesians 1.8, back to this article, we're on page four, if you print out the PDF, third column, having been enlightened. So in Ephesians 1.8, Paul brings up the term enlightened. Okay. And talking to people who thought that they found enlightenment from the mystery religions. Okay. They went to the uh, Temple of Artemis. There are many other gods and goddesses. And so they thought they found enlightenment through their religion. A lot of people think that today. The word enlightened, uh, let me just cite what Clinton Arnold said about that, this. There's a special significance, however, to note that the word enlightened, potizo, was used in the mystery religions in a technical sense for the rite of initiation. In contrast to the experience of mystery enlightenment, says Arnold. The author of Ephesians, which is Paul, stresses an enlightenment of the innermost being of man brought about by the spirit of God and directed toward the true knowledge of God. Okay. But enlightenment comes through Christ and the gospel and the light that shines on us is the light of Christ. And he shines that on our innermost being and all of a sudden, we come alive. Yeah. We're totally different. And it isn't because we trotted through religious rituals all of our lives. It's because God had mercy on sinners. Amen. We, we have gone from darkness to light. Yes. And what's of interest to me, and I love teaching through the Bible. I've been doing it for uh, going on four decades now. But in Acts, toward the end, Paul was called before a secular ruler, King Agrippa, and told him about this. And I that's right. Yeah, that's Acts 26, 18. Okay, let's read that. Yeah, I'm going to read it. And get, the context is what Jesus Christ had told Paul at his conversion and at his calling. Okay. So Paul actually told a pagan king what Jesus had told Paul he should do. All right. So he wasn't ashamed. Here's mm -hmm. what he said. To open their eyes, talking about the Gentiles, so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. And there's that word again about the inheritance. Yeah. That's 2618. So we have right in that spoken to a pagan king. Paul wasn't bashful about what he was called to do or what his message was. He told right. to anybody and everybody. The pagan king can understand that. Well, he needed to hear it. Paul was yeah. what he was doing. So we have, look at the concepts. Transfer of dominion. The word exosia is authority there. 
the inheritance, that's the lot that we talked about. Remember Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9. Uh, the pagans are under the sons of God. Uh, Yahweh was over Israel, but she rebelled and she ended up under the host of heaven. Okay. And freedom from the darkness is what conversion is about because you come into the light. Now that's spoken of many times in the New Testament. Okay. So that's what true light is. To be God's lot or his inheritance is to be people who really are ruled by God and are characterized by light. The enlightenment, in contrast, the enlightenment of pagans that they get through the mystery initiation rites of the pagan deities in Asia Minor is re real, in reality darkness. That's right. In fact, they've done some excavation and there's great material out there now. Uh, here And Clinton Arnold's actually published quite a bit of it and there's other sources. There's one excavation that was being done of, of one of these mystery temples and they had a little, you had to go through this ritual purification. And then having gone okay. through the ritual, they found a little tunnel you could get into and you had to do it at a certain time. And then you get into this inner sanctuary or chamber. At a certain time, they knew the light would come through the little window. Okay. And then they thought at that point, they got enlightenment. Oh dear. And they were free from their bad fate. And now they had status and because they had gone through the initiation rite. Okay. And so they're finding these things in Asia Minor that Paul was talking about. And what he was saying to them is no, enlightenment comes from Christ. Yeah. And no matter what, if you don't know Christ, you're in darkness. You can be happy. You can be cheerful. You can love your religion. You can love a lot of wonderful things, but you don't have light. Right. You're not enlightened. Okay. So we need to take that seriously. And if you have true enlightenment through conversion and trusting in Christ, I want to know this. Why all these yoga classes, pagan religion, Eastern meditation, trying to discover your true self, the journey inward. What, where'd all that come from? Didn't come from God. No, and you don't need it. It's like saying, no, knowing Christ is worthless. You need what all this other stuff. Right. What if you still have stress in your life? Well, then something must be wrong. No, in the world, you'll have tribulation. Yeah. We have good cheer, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So we need to ask ourselves, what kind of light do we believe in? What kind of light do we have? Now, this is part of prophecy out of the Old Testament. Okay. So I want to read Isaiah 49.6, which tells us that God's light comes through the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Okay. Predicting the Old Testament. Let me read it. It's in, on page five I cited in my article, quoting this from Isaiah. He says, quote, within the quote, it is too small a thing. You should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation 
may reach to the ends of the earth. Wow. Isaiah 49.6. And then there's a, a reference to that in Luke 2.32. And okay. so the gospel went in Acts first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles, typically. Mm -hmm. The light started to the nation, started on Pentecost, where there were people gathered for the feast from all different places, Jewish people, who some of whom came to Christ. And then the gospel went out according to the pattern, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Yeah. This light, which is referenced in Luke 2, Luke Acts 2 volume work, is going out. It's through the right. gospel. Okay, so what I don't understand is why would anybody think if they do have that light of Christ and they go to a church that's supposedly Christian and they live under the banner Christianity, why are you looking for something else? Right. Don't, don't go dig around in the darkness trying to find something from God. It's not there. Yeah, and those who repent and turn from serving self and Satan and sin and come to Christ, they have gained enlightenment. Um, and they didn't do it through syncretistic magic or church rituals or anything else. It was something God did. Right. God did. And he made us a part of his lot. And I want to read 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, which I also cite in my article, okay? Okay. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. There's the priesthood of every believer. So you don't need some priest that claims to be some special person. All believers are priests. Okay. Priest is the one high priest who made his sacrifice once for all. Okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't listen to all that stuff. Go to the Bible, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a royal priesthood, kings and priests, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. There's that idea that we've been talking about. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You've received mercy. You're now a people, it goes on to say. Yeah. Throughout the Bible. Jesus talks about the darkness and the light in John 3. Yes, and in John uh, 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness didn't overcome it. That's Christ. But John 3, 19, this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light. Yeah. It's 5, 8. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children of light. It's throughout the Bible. But yeah. listen, I want to say something about what's going on in our culture. because We have a, just a couple of minutes. Okay. The culture is telling us we need to be woke. Remember I read that passage about right. sleeper in the light of Christ? Yeah. Well, what do they mean? Are you woke? Yeah. They don't mean what we mean by that. Yeah. This isn't really new because when I was in seminary, there were chapel speakers who were trying to make us feel guilty for silly things yeah uh, church was in the wrong neighborhood which they couldn't say to me i was in a ghetto right uh, you're the wrong race you're the wrong something it's all went on and on and 
It was just a bunch of what I call consciousness raising. Okay. And there's nothing more worthless than feeling guilty for something that's not a sin anyhow. Right. It's not a sin to just be an ordinary person or where your house is, where you live on, geographically on the earth, where the church gathers and meets, what race you are. The, there is a sinful race. It's called the descendants of Adam. Yes. Okay. So you're either in Adam or in Christ. Mm -hmm. But the Jews have special status, but right now they're still, unless they've come to Christ, they're still in the darkness, but God's not through. Okay. So you have Jew, Greek, Church of God. So what being woke means is that you're going to let the pagan world tell you whether you're acceptable or not based on things that aren't even sin anyhow. Right. About just going about ordinary life and raising your family. Yeah. The Bible says the sleepers are the ones in darkness, and they're in darkness because they haven't come to Christ. And That's if you awoke right. and came to Christ, it's because you're converted, and that doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have money. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what nation you live in. It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter any of those things. If you have come to Christ, you're awake, you're not a sleeper, you've come to the light, and the light of Christ is shining on you. And don't listen to the world, world telling you that you're evil because you're just going about doing what God called you to do, which is serve Christ, be a good citizen, pray for the civil leaders, and love God. Don't feel guilty about those things. Wow. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you, you can access this program and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. 